So I have titled the message this morning, Gospel Vision. Gospel Vision. We are at a new year, and I want us to have gospel vision. I want our vision to be focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only individually, but as, but as a church. And so we're going to jump in. We're going to look at Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20 this morning, uh, one of the most famous sections of Scripture in the New Testament, the Great Commission. We're going to look at that section this morning, and we're going to talk about gospel vision. And I, I just want to go before the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we, we come before you this morning, and we just thank you for your faithfulness into 2022 and how we have come every Sunday uh, in 2022, this last year, and we've worshipped you, we've we sought to put you first uh, on Sunday, and we've opened your word. We worship together through song, through preaching, through hearing your word. And Lord, here we are again, the beginning of a new year, the first day of a new year, and we're going to open your word again, and we're going to hear from you. Lord, that's who we need to hear from. That's who we need to speak to us. We need you to speak to us through your word. And I pray that you would do that today, that for everyone that is here listening, whether they're here in the building or they're watching online, on, on live stream, God, I pray that, that you would speak to their hearts through the power of your word, and that you would transform them and change them according to your will and your plan. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would help me to open my mouth, to preach your word, and to exalt Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are, New Year 2023. I know that when you get to New Year's Day, it often feels like, where did the previous year go? Is that how it feels for you today? You know, there's some years that you're going through difficulties and challenges in your year, and you cannot wait for the new year to get here. And so you get to New Year's Day, and you're like, oh, thank the Lord, that year is over. And now we have a new year to start. And then there, there's some years you're like, man, how, where did this year go? And you didn't really have very many challenges. And you're like, man, I really kind of like that year. Hopefully it continues the same going into the next year. But no matter what we do, the new year comes. You, you, there's, there's no stopping our journey around the sun. God's the one who sustains us, and, and we are orbiting around the sun right now, and we are going to continue to do so as long as the Lord wills and, and gives us breath to breathe. You know, we, we, are, we are breathing borrowed air. You breathing borrowed air like I am? This oxygen, I don't know where it came from and how it got here, but God lets me breathe it. And so there's important questions we have to ask ourselves as we face a new year. And we're, we're going to jump back into the Gospel of John here in a couple of weeks, uh, January 15th. We'll jump into the Gospel of John, and that's the steady diet that we uh, study here at Living Word. We go through books of the Bible. But before we do that, I, I wanted us to think deeply about these realities of a new year, a new opportunity to go to orbit this, in this planet around the sun to breathe air that God graciously gives us. I think there's questions we have to ask ourselves. Like here's, here's one question. What is important for us to think about as we begin another year, as we begin another journey around the sun? What is important for us to have a vision for? Here's some other questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Why, why do I exist? Why am I breathing the air that God has given me? What is my purpose? And there's people that will spend their entire life trying to figure out what their purpose is and why 
they exist and people will go through extreme lengths to figure that out and they will, they will in a search, some people in a quest to find ultimate meaning and purpose, they will ex- try to experience many different things in life and pleasures and experiences to try to find meaning and purpose. But, but as believers here today, right, right, we're believers in Jesus Christ here today, we should know what our purpose is. We should know why we are here and what the meaning of life is. We have the big questions answered, don't we? Why are we here? God. What is our purpose? To exalt him, to live for his glory. And I think as Christians, one thing that we should know, no matter if we are trying to figure out what job we should take or who we should marry or or where we should live or what church we should attend, as Christians, we should know that our ultimate purpose in life is to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why we are here. God could have saved us and taken us home. He could have rescued us and redeemed us through what he did on the cross and then brought us all to glory. As soon as, as, soon as we become a Christian, just take us to heaven. But, but that's not what he has done. That's not what he does. He, he saves us by his grace and then he leaves us here for the mission of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if there's, a, if there's a text that I think should be the lens with which we see our entire year in any year that we live, it's Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. We're going to step back a little bit and we're going to read verses 16 through 20. But this is the text. This is after Jesus has been crucified and paid the price for sin on the cross and after he has been raised from the dead and it's before his ascension that you see in the book of Acts. This is in between there and he's speaking to his disciples and he's telling them what he expects of them as followers of him. And so how many of you are believers in Jesus Christ here today? Amen? That's why you're here, first day of the, of the year, to honor God. You're believers in Jesus Christ. This is our responsibility. This is what God has told us as to what we are called to do. Let's look at the text, Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Now when the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Wow, isn't that powerful? I am with you always to the end of the age. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And so if there was a a main point in this sermon, one main overarching point of this message, of this text that we're reading, and and it would be this, this would be the main point of the entire message of these verses that we're going to look here today at, it would be this, that Jesus, who has all authority, Jesus, who has all authority calls us to go in his name and promises to be with us always. That's the point of this passage. Jesus, who has all authority, calls us to go in his name. And he promises that he'll be with us always. That's the point of this passage. And we're going to break that point down a little bit further. I have two realities from this text and one promise. Two realities of the Great Commission and one promise that we will look at this morning. Here's the first reality of this text in Matthew 28. The one who defeated death has all authority. 
The one who defeated death has all authority. And I think that's a great place to start when we're thinking about our purpose and and why we are here and the great commission and and the, the desire we should have to see the gospel spread. We must start with this foundational understanding that the one who defeated death, who is Christ, who is Jesus, he has all authority. All authority. You know, much of life is centered around authority and who has it and how they use it. When you just, 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 think, just think about that. We have a, an entire political system that's based upon who has authority and how do they use it. Where does authority come from? How do you get authority? And then when you have authority, how do you use it? Authority touches every, almost every area of our life, does it not? If you are a parent, you are someone that has authority. If you are a child and you are living in your parents' home, uh, you are submitted to their authority and under their rules. If you have a job, you are submitted to who your authority is and your boss. If you have a job and you're a boss, you are someone that has authority that, 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 that manages and, and leads people. Authority touches many areas of our life, most areas of our life. And it's, and it's centered around, a lot of these ideas about authority is centered around how do you get it, how do you keep it, and how do you use it? And so you see what happens when sin enters that reality of authority. Sin corrupts authority. Sin, sinful people take authority that, that God has allowed them to have and they use it for their own end. But Jesus begins his charge to his disciples and he wants them to know who he is. You know, he would compare himself often through to the Pharisees and you'd see that uh, through the leaders of the Jews and, 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 and people would compare Jesus to the Pharisees and, and, and there was this, this reality that, that they were trying to hold on to their authority and Jesus came to serve and be a servant of all. They were trying to gather more authority to themselves. Jesus came to serve and to be a servant of all. And, but, but Jesus, after his resurrection, he wants his disciples to, to know something. He says, I have all authority. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You know, it's interesting. You'll often hear people say that they made Jesus the Lord of their life. And that's good. That's what it means to be a Christian, that Jesus is the Lord of your life. But the reality is, is that Jesus is Lord over everything and everyone, whether we acknowledge it or not. He is ruling and reigning. He has all authority. That word, that word authority, it comes from the Greek word exousia, and it means power. It means authority to rule. It means jurisdiction. It means right to judge. Jesus has all jurisdiction of all power in every place. He is the only one that has the right to rule and to judge ultimately with all authority. And as we said earlier, earthly rulers fight and they fight for authority, but what they fight for is limited and temporary authority. Isn't that funny to think about how often people fight for limited and temporary authority? They will go to great lengths to hold on to their authority. And here's Jesus. He doesn't have limited authority. He has all authority. His authority is comprehensive. It's complete. It's perfect. It is lacking nothing. He has all authority. And and what is the extent of his authority? Well, what did he say in the text? All authority has been given me in heaven, in heaven, and on earth. So what does that mean? That means it's everywhere. He has all authority, and he has authority over everything and everywhere. 
It's comprehensive authority. The one who defeated death has all authority. And before Jesus commissions his disciples, he says, you need to know this. I have been given all authority. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he demonstrated that authority. You saw it all throughout the Gospels. Here's some areas in which we saw the authority of Christ. Jesus had authority in his teaching. Matthew 7, it says that, they, that he, taught with, uh, uh, with, he taught differently than the Pharisees because he taught as one who had authority. Jesus had authority over sickness. In Matthew 8, you can look at that later. It says, it says that, 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 that he had authority over sickness, and when he would go into places, he would heal all those that were sick. He had power over all disease. Jesus had authority over nature. Do you remember he, he, on two different occasions, he, would call, he calmed the winds and the waves. He spoke to the seas, and he said, peace be still, and the winds and the waves obeyed him. You know, I was, I was watching this YouTube video one time of this preacher who thought he had authority over, over nature. And he was cursing and commanding the winds and, to stop and the rain to go away. And I thought, who does he think he is? There's only one who has authority over nature, and it's God. Jesus has authority to raise the dead. You remember the raising of Lazarus? We're going to get to that in John chapter 11 here in a, in a few weeks, in a couple of months. John 11, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus had authority over Satan and his demons. We, we see that in the book of Matthew. Do you remember Jesus cast out the demons and cast the, the demons uh, uh, into a, 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 a group of pigs, and the pigs went into the water and drowned? Jesus had authority over demons. He had authority over Satan. You remember in his temptation in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus had authority over Satan. He used the power of the word of God to walk in his authority over Satan. And then, ultimately, Jesus had authority to raise himself from death. There is only one person who has ever raised himself from the dead, and it is the Son of God, it is Jesus. He had ultimate authority. And we see this confirmation of this authority throughout other portions of Scripture. Philippians chapter 2 tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us, Therefore, speaking of Christ, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He has been given a name that is above every name. And the truth is this, confess now that Jesus is Lord, or confess when it's too late, but either way, everyone will confess that Jesus has all the authority and that his name is above every other name. So the Bible says, Colossians chapter 2 says this about the authority of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and, vi and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, all, all authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, his church. He is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent because he has all authority. The one who defeated death has all authority. Do you believe it today? The one who defeated death has all authority. Here today, right now, Jesus is ruling and reigning. No matter what it looks like in the world, no matter how difficult and dark it looks, no matter how challenging it is in your personal life, 
No matter how challenging it is nationally or around the world and other nations of the world, Jesus right now is ruling and reigning over his creation. He is preeminent and above all creation. The one who defeated death has all authority, perfect authority, comprehensive authority, expansive authority. He has all authority. He is before all things. He's not fighting for authority over his creation because he is the one who created all things. John chapter 1 says that there was nothing that is made that was not made without Christ. He has all authority. I'm going to say it to you. Believe it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? He has all authority. He is before all things. He is, he's not. Listen, this is so important to understand this. Jesus is not in a cosmic battle with Satan. He doesn't fight with the devil. He, de- he doesn't win some battles and then loses some battles, and the devil gets a, get, gets a right cross every now and then and an uppercut occasionally, and, and Jesus stumbles and, and has to regroup and figure out what to do next. No, Jesus is not in a cosmic battle with Satan. Satan is a defeated foe. He has all authority. Isn't that how we're tempted to see it, though? We're tempted to see that the Jesus, Jesus and the devil, that the devil wins sometimes, Jesus wins sometimes, but the truth is, it was over before it started. It was over before it started. The battle was over before it started. Yes, we, we, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of, 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 over dark places and heavenly places and in heavenly places, but the battle was over before it started because Jesus defeated Satan at the cross. He's a defeated foe, and he is the authority over Satan even before the cross. Satan has never ruled and reigned in his own authority and sovereignty. God is the one who is ruling and reigning over all. You know, have you ever been to a high school game before? You could put any sport on it you want, but let's just talk about football, right? You ever been to a high school football game before, and it was over before it got started? And you know, the, the team that is the big team, the, the powerful team, they, got, they have five to seven five-star recruits that are going to be playing college football their next year. And then the little team, they got nobody going to be, be playing college athletics football next year at all. And the, and the coach for the, the little team is trying to encourage the, co- the players of the little team, you can do it. You can win. You can have victory. And the coach in the back of his mind knows, Lord, just protect them. Don't help, have, help them to survive. That's what the coach was playing the, praying the night before. But he would never tell his kids that, right? It's over before it gets started. And maybe, maybe, for, maybe for the, after the first kickoff, they get a good return and they get a couple of the first downs. And, and, the, and the team that has all the stud athletes, they're kind of toying with the little team, making them feel like they, they belong for a moment. And then they put the hammer down. The truth is, is that it was over before it got started. And that is the reality of our Savior and our King. That no matter what the battles are that we face, no matter how it looks in our culture and our world, Christ is ruling and reigning and has forever and will forever. And no matter what the enemy tries to do and with, with moves and counter moves and attacks and how he, he works to attack our mind and our thinking, the battle is over before it gets started because Christ has all authority. Amen? How should that reality 
of the ultimate victory of Christ and his authority impact my life? Here's how it impacts our life. We don't have a message or a mission that can lose. We do not have a message or a mission that can lose. We don't lose down here. We win down here. We win. Wherever the gospel goes, we win. It may look like in moments and times that the devil is winning, but we ultimately win because our victory comes from and through Christ. We have a message that cannot be defeated. It's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can never be defeated. We don't have a message or a mission that can lose. As believers, we're not like Alabama football. Who has a dynasty that wins a lot. We're doing pretty good. You know, we did pretty good here for 40 years at Living Word Church. And we had a pretty good dynasty, but, you know, it's going downhill now. No, we're not like Alabama football. has a dynasty for a while, and then we lose for a while. Then we, no, we win all the time because of the one that we represent, because of the message that we bring. You know, it's interesting, Nick Nick Saban wanted to be in the playoffs in spite of two losses because he thought his team was the better team. But you know the truth is, we know that we're on the better team. We know we're on the team that cannot be defeated. We know that we cannot lose. Why? Matthew 16, Jesus says this. Simon Peter replied to the the question Christ had, who who do people say that I am? Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Amen? It's not possible. It's not possible. The gates of hell will not prevail because they can't. You know, spiritual warfare is not fighting for victory. Spiritual warfare is fighting from victory. Spiritual warfare is the fight from victory. We, in Christ, we have the victory that he's won at the cross as believers. We have appropriated that through faith. And when we fight against the devil, we do have spiritual warfare in our mind and in our thoughts. Are we going to believe God's word? Are we going to believe the lies of the enemy? When we are fighting that battle, we are fighting from a position of already winning. Already having won in Christ. Amen? We're playing with house money. We have all the cheat codes. Amen? I don't encourage you to play with house money anywhere, but just to use some terms that some of us might know about. The one who defeated death has all authority. And what's amazing is what he tells his disciples next. Secondly, the one who has all authority sends us out in his name to make disciples. Think about that. The one who has all authority, who has defeated death, hell and the grave, he says, now I want you to go out and represent me and make disciples. Look back at the text. Go therefore, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's, it's so interesting. He, he's letting them know. He didn't have to tell them he had all authority. I, I think him rising from the dead was a, was a final proof that they needed to, to know that, that Jesus had all authority. And he lets them know. He tells them. He says, I have all authority. And because I have all authority, because you go in my name, you need to go. Because I have all authority, therefore, 
Go. Go, therefore. It's directly related. We go because Christ has all authority. Do you guys follow that? It's our going and our making disciples is directly connected to the fact that God has all authority. Jesus has all authority. Sometimes we might be scared or intimidated, and I would imagine those early disciples could have been scared or intimidated about going and making disciples. You know, the message of the gospel has always been a message that has, has incurred perse- persecution throughout church history. But I can imagine in the midst of that intimidation in the early church, they can remember Christ and his resurrection. They can remember him telling them, hey, I have all authority. Therefore, go make disciples. Go on the basis of the fact that I have already won the victory. Go in my name. You know, Jesus says we go in his name. Uh, in John 15, Jesus said that, 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 he, uh, that, he, uh, that, that, that the enemy hated him and that, and, that, and that we are hated because we go in his name, John 15, but all these things they will do to you, these persecutions on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. The apostle Paul says we are ambassadors for Christ. Paul says that we make the appeal to others for God. He makes his appeal through us. So we are going on the basis of the fact that God has all the authority. Christ has all the authority. You know what's, what's interesting when we think about the Great Commission? We often think that the command of the Great Commission is to go. Go and make, all disi- go and make disciples of all nations. The command is not to go. The command is to make disciples. The word go is a present participle. And, and what meaning, what that means is, is that the assumption is, is that we are, we are going. It is a continual reality of our life. It is this present tense reality of our life that disciples go. We are going. As we are going, as we are going out in our life, the command is, because we are going, that we would make disciples. So the command is not to go. The command is to, while you're going, on your job, at the grocery store, at Rouse's, at Walmart, in the checkout line, Wherever you're going, at family dinner, at Christmas, at birthday parties, while you're going, wherever you're going, the command is that we would make disciples. The one with all authority sends us out in his name to make disciples. Well, what is a disciple? For called to make a disciple. Well, a disciple is a committed student, a learner, a follower. We're called to make disciples. We're called to, 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 to bring people to Jesus. That's what it means to make a disciple, to bring People to Jesus. I think about, as I was thinking about what it means to bring people to Jesus, I think about how I, I thought about how, how you see that in Scripture. I, I, I remembered in the Gospel of John, we were studying, uh, at the beginning of our study through John, uh, uh, Andrew brought his brother Simon. John 1.42, it says he brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Hey, come see this guy. Come see this man. Philip, this is in John chapter 1, three verses later. Philip brings Nathanael. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote. And then later on in John chapter 4, do you remember the Samaritan woman uh, in the city of Sychar from the the Samaritan woman at the well? What what happened after Jesus had the conversation with her and, and she realized who he was? What did she say? Come see a man. Come see a man. So the one with all authority sends us out in his name to bring people to Jesus. 
So my question to, to all of us here today is, is, are we bringing people to Jesus? Wherever we go, the assumption is, is that we are going to go. We are going to be everywhere that God has called us to be on our jobs and in our families. And, and as we go about in our everyday life, the challenge is, is, will we bring people to Jesus? Will we bring people to Jesus? The point is this, is that we are called to bring people to Jesus. The two primary purposes of the church are this, to bring glory to Christ and to make disciples. To bring glory to Christ and to bring people to Jesus. You know, you, you, you can often ask churches at the beginning of the year, you know, what is your vision and what is your mission? And, 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 and we could come up with this big elaborate plan of what our plan is for the future of this year and what that's going to look like. But really, there's two primary purposes for every church that are umbrella purposes. It is to bring glory to Christ, to his name, and to bring people to Jesus. To bring people to Jesus. I mean, you just look at this building that we're sitting in right here. We have 1,800 seats. And you can look around. You don't have to look to the right too far, to the left too far, behind you too far to see that we have a lot of empty seats. And so the purpose of the church is to bring people to Jesus. We bring them to Jesus in their everyday life through the evangelism that God's called us to bring. And we bring people to Jesus. We invite them to church to come, come in and hear the word of God. We, we, we bring people to Jesus so that we can bring glory to Christ. And the, and the point is this, is that we can have confidence that wherever we go, if we will preach the gospel of the kingdom, this is our confidence, that the gospel of the kingdom will have its effect. Do you believe that? The gospel of the kingdom will have its effect. We are simply the delivery system God has chosen to use. The one with all authority says, go in my name and make disciples. We are the delivery system that God has chosen to use. It's ultimately not about us. It's about the message. It's about the message, right? It's not about us. We're not bringing people to us. We're bringing people to to Jesus. And I, I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, he's describing what we bring, the message. He's describing the message and the messengers in 1 Corinthians 1. It says this, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. How are people going to be saved? Through a message that the world calls folly and foolishness. That's how people will be born again. It is through a message that the world says is foolish. Through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But, but what do we do? We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. That's the message. We preach Christ. Now what about us as the messengers? Listen to this. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Amen? We preach Christ, and we are his lowly messengers. Right? 
Not many of us were wise. Not many of us were noble. We, we, we don't come from, we don't come from the, the, the high and mighty places of the country, right? We don't come from New York City and Los Angeles. And, 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 and we're, we're, we're Bayou people. We are people that, that work hard and provide for our families. But, but, but we've been saved. We've been born again. And there's people all around us that, that, that they need the message of Christ. And we are simply his messengers. We have the message. And we are called to be his messengers. We go in his name. We represent him, and we preach Christ. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about our creativity. It's not about meeting people's felt needs. It's about the message of Christ and him crucified. It's the message that saves. It's not about us. It's about him. Have you ever been to a wedding where a preacher does a wedding, and the preacher makes it about him? Have you ever been to that kind of wedding? They're some of the worst weddings to go to. I mean, the, the preacher turns it into like a, a stand-up comedy show. He's there cracking jokes right and left, and everyone's laughing, and, or, or, or he's, it, this is his finest hour to preach his best sermon. He's up there preaching his sermon, and, and, and you get through the middle of the wedding, and, and you realize, oh, wait a minute, there's a bride and groom that's up there, right? What, 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 what was wrong with that picture? The preacher had forgotten the point. The point was the bride and the groom. Is their day. The, the purpose of the wedding, of being there, is that this couple would get married, right? And the preacher had missed the point. We cannot miss the point. The point is not about us. We have nothing great to offer in and of ourselves. It's the message. The one with all authority has sent us out in his name to preach his message because his message will have its effect. The one who defeated death sends us out. It's about the message of the gospel. So the two questions we must ask ourselves is this. The one with all the authority has sent us out, right? We bear his name. We have his message. We preach that message. The two questions we must ask ourselves is this. Do we believe the gospel is the power of God for salvation? Do we, do we believe it? Do we believe it? Do we believe the gospel, second question, is still relevant for today? That's the questions that we have to ask. Because this is like white noise for us here today. Like this is like remedial, right, Pastor Ben? Like this is something that, that we've been knowing since, you know, we got born again and we've been in church. Some of you have been in church all your life. And yeah, this is, we preach Christ and this is remedial. But I think we really need to think about this for a second. Do we believe that the gospel still has power to save do we believe that the message can still save? And I think we often, because sometimes we, we, we think the message doesn't have power to save, we, we try to change the message. But the message is still the same. The message is, is that God is holy and man is sinful. The message is, is that a holy God and sinful man cannot dwell together and, and that the eternal problem can only be solved through the sufficient work of Christ on the cross. And that the message is, is that we would tell those who don't believe that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. That they are dead in their trespasses and sin, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2. It is a message that the world looks at and says is foolish. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, is this message that we are carrying, do we believe it has the power to save? Because if we believe it has the power to save, then we will be his ambassadors. And we will bring it. And we will preach it because we believe it is the only answer 
to the problems this world faces. This world has lots of problems today. The ultimate problem is really only one problem. It's a sin problem. It's not the individual sins that the world commits or the individual sins that are causing brokenness in the world. It is, it is the ultimate sin of rebellion against God. That is the problem with the world. And that problem gets, works itself out in the headlines. And we see it all over our world. And the answer to the problem of the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The answer is a message that the world will hate and the non-believers don't want to hear, but it is our message because it is the only message that can solve the sin problem in the heart of man. And it is the message that the one with all authority has sent us out with in his name to tell others about. Amen? The one who defeated death has all authority. The one with all authority sends us out in his name to make disciples. And now we end with a promise. Here's the promise. The one with all authority promises to be with us always. Look back to the text. Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So real quickly before we talk about the promise Notice it says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. This is the mission statement of Living Word Church. This is where we get it from. We exalt Christ, we make disciples, and we equip the saints. We teach disciples how to become fully devoted to Christ. We teach them to observe all that Christ has commanded. And this is what it means to be a disciple. We teach disciples. We disciple the disciples. We train the disciples. We teach the word of God. We make disciples. We baptize them. They come to faith, and then we disciple them. We teach them to observe all that God has commanded. And then Christ says, behold, I am with you always. I am with you always. You know what's interesting is the word behold here. He says, I'm with you always. But he says, behold. What does that word behold mean? The word behold means look up. Look up. Jesus is just resurrected. He says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples. Look up. It means look up. It means listen closely. Come in close. It's like Jesus is looking at his disciples. I, I, I can picture it in my mind. He's risen from the dead. He's, he's commissioning them to go out. And right before he says, they're in the huddle, and he says, one, two, three, break. He says, come in close. Come here, listen. Listen. Listen closely. This is important. I want you to know this. This is some vital information. This is a vital detail. Behold, behold, uh, yes, I'm telling you to go. And yes, it's going to be difficult. And yes, they're not going to want to hear. And yes, they will reject. And yes, the world looks dark. And yes, it's going to be difficult and challenging from time to time. But listen close. Come in close. Behold, I am with you always. I am with you always. I can imagine when Jesus said, I'm with you always, maybe it was Simon Peter who tended to open up his mouth and say things he shouldn't say, but I bet you Simon Peter's mind was spinning in circles. Wait a minute, you're with us always? You just told us you're going away and that it was better that you go away. What do you mean you're with us always? Jesus, you are still so confusing. You said you're going to die, and we didn't want you to die. Now you've died. 
And now we get it because we're looking at you. And now you said you're going to be with us always, but earlier, before you died, you said you're going away, and it was better that you go away. They must have been confused. How is Jesus with them always? How will he be with us always? How is he going to be with his disciples always? Here's how. Jesus is with his disciples always through the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. That's how he's with us always. Isn't that what Jesus said? Listen to John 16. Jesus, this is why the disciples might have been confused when he said he'd be with them always. John 16, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. He says, look, it's good for me to go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send them to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you, and all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Isn't that powerful? We can have confidence of the personal presence of the Holy Spirit with us always, to speak to us through his word and to speak through us to proclaim Christ. We can be confident. The Lord said, come in close. Listen, listen. I've given you a commission. The command is to make disciples. Wherever you go, make disciples. And know they're not going to want to listen to you. But don't forget, I am with you always. I will be with you. I will send you the help of the Holy Spirit to be with you. And some of you, you think, well, yeah, I'll go, Pastor Ben. That sounds good, and I want to make disciples. But sometimes I don't know what to say. Sometimes I don't know the words to say, and, and I can't get up there and talk like you do and, 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 and explain the gospel. And, and you know what? The Lord gives us a promise, doesn't he? Luke chapter 12. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you should say. Listen closely. Pay careful attention. You're not going out on your own. As we obey the command of God to be who we are called to be as a church, to make disciples, the Lord through his spirit is with you and he will give you the words to say. He will give you the words to say. I'm with you always. It's to your advantage. Jesus, I believe, is speaking to the multiplied impact. When he says it's to the advantage of them that he goes away, I I think he's speaking of the multiplied impact through the lives of his disciples. It's to your advantage, multiplied impact. You know, one person with a vision and a mission is powerful. You have many people that will follow a person with a vision and and a mission. And someone with a vision and a mission, even even if they're speaking things that aren't true, one person with a vision and a mission can impact lots of people, right? But how much more impact? Add three more or Four more with that same vision and that same mission. It's multiplied impact. Do you remember Jesus said, he said in John 14, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these he will do because because I'm going to the Father. You you ever heard that scripture before and you thought, what is the greater works? What is it? Greater works? And I think you've had some believers in the body of Christ that have lived their entire Christian life feeling like they are never doing all that they should be doing because they're not doing greater works than Jesus. 
You even have ministries. They, they will name themselves Greater Works Ministries. And they, their whole ministry is centered around trying to do greater works than Jesus. What is Jesus saying when he's saying, you'll do greater works than me? Is it, is, what, what can be greater than rising from the dead? What can be greater than raising the dead and healing the sick? We're, we're looking for greater works, greater works. What is the greater works that we will do? I think the key to answering it is what we're talking about here. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. When Jesus is talking about greater works, he's talking about location, location, location. You know, real estate, it's all about location, 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 right? Jesus says, my location has been a 60-mile radius, right, in Israel, right, in Judea. He never went more than about 60-mile radius, but he says, it's better that I go away because when I go away, all those who believe in my name are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they're going to go everywhere. It's not, about, it's, not a, it's not about that we will do greater works than Jesus because Jesus is the only one who can do those works. It's the fact and the reality of the multiplied impact of the gospel in your life and in your life and in your life. You don't come from one location that is centered on one location only. You, you can go everywhere and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you can go everywhere. And think about Think about the church. Think about the church. The church was birthed, and the gospel traveled from Israel, from Judea, to Shriver, Louisiana, over 2,000 years ago, and we are here today. That's the greater works that Jesus was speaking of. The greater works are this. It's the multiplied impact of the gospel in the lives of believers who are filled with the Spirit and empowered to be bold witnesses. And we go everywhere around the world preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? Amen. So it's not about how gifted we are individually or how resourceful we are corporately. It's about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit working through obedient people who have confidence in the message of the gospel to accomplish all that God has intended. Amen? It's not about how great we are. We're weak people. We, we, we still make mistakes. Even though I, I, I don't like the bumper sticker, um, part, you know, pardon my progress, or I'm under construction, I think that's just an excuse for bad driving skills. Uh, right? It, it, but it's true, right? Sometimes people will, will, wear that, will wear a T-shirt that says, you know, uh, pardon my progress, and they use that as an excuse to be rude and mean and, and hateful. I'm a Christian, but God's still working on me. Right? We are all weak and we are all under construction and we can all wear that t-shirt. We don't, we don't always get it right, the words that we say and the actions that we take. But if we are the redeemed, if we are the ones who've been brought back from death to life, then we have in us this treasure in an earthen vessel. And God has called us to take that message and have we lost sight of that? Have we just made religion and Christianity just about what we do here on Sundays? Have we made it about our, our pet beliefs and doctrines, right? Have we lost sight of the mission of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It is about the fact that there are people outside of these walls that if they die today in their sins, they are separated from God for eternity. That is the reality of Christianity. And this is why the Lord has left us here. 
This is why the one who defeated death, who has all authority, has commissioned us to take that message and to tell people who don't even realize that they're without hope yet and to tell them you are without hope. You are lost and without hope in this world. And the only way that you can be forgiven and the only way that you can be reconciled to a holy God is through the work of Christ on the cross. That is the message that Christ has entrusted to us. And it's the message that he says, I'm with you always. I'm with you. I'll go with you. I'll go with you in your living room to talk to your family member. I'll go with you on your job. I am with you on your job. I'm with you in those interactions. And I'll speak through you. And I want to use you. And so if we're to think about what this year is to be like. This is a New Year's message. We're wrapping up here right now. If we're to think about a New Year's message. If, if I'm to think about 2023, what, what, what do I want to see happen at Living Word Church? If I'm honest with you, can I just speak honestly with you as your pastor for just a moment? I, I don't want people from Cross Church that are Christians to come over here. I don't want people from Bethany that are Christians to come over here. I don't want people that are Christians from Bible Assembly to come over here and other churches. Hey, come check out how we do it a little bit better than other churches. That's not what I'm after. We're not, at, we're not in a popularity contest of churches. Well, this church is popular now and this church is popular now and Christians mingle from here to there and everywhere and they go around and they, they find what is to their liking and their taste. And well, I like how he preaches. I like their music. Well, their music is not that good. So let me come over here for a little while because I enjoy it. Oh, <laughs> we, this is not a part of my notes, so I don't know what I'm going to say next. Like, I don't know, I preached this a few weeks back, a couple months back. How many people did we drive by today? Whether we know they're Christians or not, but let's just assume we drove by a lot of people who weren't Christians, staying at home, they're content, they're tired, they didn't, they didn't want to go to church, they were up late. How many hundreds of people in the houses that we pass by here today of those who don't know the Lord, who don't know the Lord? We know the Lord, right? We know him. That's what I want 2023 to be about, to be about those people. I want to see the building filled as much as you do, right? I want to see the building filled just as much as you do. Not so we can pat ourselves on the back and stroke our ego and say, man, we got something going on here at Living Word. We can have other churches jealous at what we do. No. No, I want to see, I want to see more baptisms in 2023. People who are confessing Christ. People that you witness to. That you witness to. That you evangelize. When, 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 when. When the Lord gives us his instructions in the, in, in the book of Ephesians, and he says, he says he's given gifts to his church, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. The goal is, is that you would be perfected for the work of the ministry. And that when we preach the messages, when we disciple in the small groups, when we disciple in the D groups, when we Disciple in the life groups. When you're walking through that discipleship pathway that we have here at Living Word and you mature in the faith, the goal is, is evangelism. The goal is to bring as many people with us to heaven as we possibly can. 
And if the building gets filled because of that, that is what we want. That is what we desire. And then, and then it gets so filled that we gotta go start planting churches. And some of you get raised up as pastors. We gotta go plant a church in Napoleonville. We gotta go plant a church somewhere else, right? Or we gotta plant a church in another country. We, we, we grow and we, 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 we see people saved and, and we plant churches and disciples are made. It's a multiplication. It's a multiplication. This is the greater works. That's the greater works. Multiplication of the gospel to others who don't know the gospel. Amen? So back to our opening questions. Why am I here? What is my purpose? And so here's, here's how I want to end. What are we believing God to do in our lives and in and through this church in 2023? That's the, the question I want to end with. What are we believing for? What are we believing for? And I'll tell you what I am believing for as your pastor. I am believing for people to be born again in and through our lives and our church. Through your lives personally, as you go, as you go and you obey the command to make disciples, I'm believing for people to be born again. And I'm believing for those people to go public. You know the way you go public with your faith is through water baptism. I'm believing for them to get dunked week after week, month after month. And we do our year-end review where we end with the baptisms. That, that video is five minutes long. Because it's just baptism after baptism and people declaring their faith. That's what I am believing for in 2023 and 2024. And as long as God gives us grace to be here. Amen. Here's a question for you. Who are you praying for to come to salvation? Who are you praying for? Who, who personally are you praying for? Who in your life do you know right now that doesn't know the Lord that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who are you praying for? Think about that in 2023. Maybe this year's the year. God's the one who saves. We're just the mouthpiece. We're just a messenger. Maybe it's this year. So here's what I want us to do. I think posture and position is important for us and the way that we position ourselves going into a year is important. So, so I'm calling for 21 days of prayer to start the year. As a church, I want us to, to pray together. We, we, there should be a slide that can go up on the screen there. Um, if there, there should be a link. There'll be a link. You can go on our website and there'll be a link on the website um, that's gonna be 21 days of prayer it's going to be a journal. It's going to be a devotion for every day starting tomorrow for 21 days. Uh, and we, I just encourage you to go through that. Let's go through that together as a church. Let's posture ourselves at the beginning of the year, obviously throughout the entire year, but let's together at the beginning of the year have focused times of prayer with the Lord for what he will do in our lives and through our lives. And let's take 21 days. And Pastor Tim is the one who came up with this devotion. They use it at Long Hollow Church the last couple of years. So... We just want to use that resource. So go to the website, livingwordhoma.com. You can, you, you, if you're on our Facebook page, we will we'll announce it. We'll put the links out there. Let's start on Monday tomorrow. Let's go through 21 days of prayer. And I also want to encourage you, maybe, maybe God will call you to fast right now. Maybe he'll call you to fast. There's different types of fasts that you can do. You could do 21 days of, fast, of fasting. What, uh, Daniel, Daniel uh, uh, and the Hebrew children, they, they, they only ate vegetables when the king wanted to give them meat. And so for 21 days, they, they ate their vegetables. They ate uh, according to the diet that God had given them, and they were better for it. And so maybe there's somebody you're praying for that doesn't know the Lord. Maybe God's calling you to fast for that. 
Maybe you've been looking for a breakthrough in, in some other area of your life, whether it's a 21-day fast or it's a, a three-day fast or a seven-day fast, whatever it may be, prayer and fasting, a posture before the Lord as a congregation unified together to seek the Lord for what he may do in 2023. So we're going to open the church uh, Monday through Friday, uh, 6.30 to 8.30. The building will be open. You can come through the front doors, side doors, come in. The sanctuary will be open. We'll have worship music playing and you can just come find you a place. If, if, if you're on your way to work, stop by for five minutes, ten minutes. Let's seek the Lord together in prayer for 21 days. Amen? Amen. And I, I, I may jump on in these 21 days. I may jump on Facebook Live and do a devotion in these 21 days. I may not be able to do all, all 21 because of schedule. But um, just be looking for that as well. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? I want us to close in, in prayer. I've given us all adequate enough challenge here today. And we're called to go, to make disciples everywhere we go, to those that are around us, pointing them to Christ. Well, Father, we, we submit ourselves to you today. And Lord, we, we thank you for 2022 and all the things that you've done in our life and, and how you've brought us faithfully to another year. Lord, we're so grateful for what you've done. Lord, we look forward to what you will do. And, and I pray that, that as believers here that represent Living Word Church, that, that we would have a great commission mindset, that we would be committed to seeking you in prayer and in Bible study, and that we would seek you this year to use us for your glory, to point others to Christ so that more and more people we can bring more and more people to bring more and more people to Christ so that they can be with us in heaven forever. Lord, may that be the vision for the year. May that be the vision for our life. And may we not lose sight of that. God, I pray this over all of us today. All of us today. Birth it in our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.